I've been going up there for 21 years now, and I still don't know the names of all her cousins. I'm not joking. It's like there's people at Thanksgiving. I'm like, yeah, who are you again? And I just and then kids keep they're being born all the time, and you know how confusing it is to get modern children's names correct. It's not Bill or George or Sally. I mean, it's all kinds of hard names to learn now. I mean, I'm trying to learn your kids' names. Like, kids, I'm, I want to learn all your names, so be patient with me. So, uh, But this whole time, you know, it was a lot of family time, and I just, you know, I don't want to be prideful here, but I did not offend anybody this week. <laughs> Praise be to God. Now, why that's important is because two weeks ago, I preached this message about uh, avoiding strife. And one of the great things about I guess, preaching in the context of a spiritual family and my own family too. I have three teenagers in case you have not met me is my three teenagers hold me accountable for what I preach. And so there were a few times through the week where uh, they and Beth, my wife would say, are you applying that sermon with that joke or with that comment? And, And I straightened out. So that's what community is all about. Uh, but, you know, it's a chance, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and now we'll, we'll continue um, to choose. Like, are we going to choose the tree of life, or are we going to choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? We'll shorten that for the purposes of this sermon to the tree of knowledge. Like, from the very beginning, God set up two choices for us. And what I want to suggest from last week, and we'll review a little bit of last week and, and reemphasize this week, is is I want us not to necessarily be rule keepers because it's hard to keep up with all the rules. I want us to be those who nourish on the right source. And so it's about who's feeding us, like what we become, what we eat, which is a terrible, a terrible analogy to use two days after Thanksgiving. But uh, we, we, we know that what nourishes us brings us life. And so from the very beginning in the garden, the scriptures I just read, the Lord gave us a choice, one or the other. And, and on this morning, where our theme is hope, the hope of transformation, I want you all to feel it today. You are not hopeless in the spiritual life. Every single one of you, there are better days ahead of you through Jesus. I mean, I don't care if you made a huge mistake last night. I, I don't care if you like totally did not apply these sermons you've heard lately. Right now, there is hope of transformation, and it is before you. You, weren't, you didn't get an opportunity for transformation once, and then now you've blown it. Transformation is before you. That means day by day, conversation by conversation, moment by moment, we are being transformed into Jesus' people. And that's where our hope is. And so all of us have a great future. So... This question asks, like, what makes you spiritual? What makes you spiritual? And I want to propose to you once again, it's direction. Which way are you facing? Are you facing the Lord? It's movement, direction and movement. Are you facing the Lord? Are you moving towards the Lord? It's not perfection. Because we have to be honest that none of us are perfect. Even if we think we're perfect, then we're imperfect because then we're prideful. And we're deceiving ourselves. So it's about direction. Are you facing the Lord? And that's why weekly worship is important because we come in here together and we turn our face to to the Lord. We turn our face away from things that interest us that may not 
take us to the Lord. We, we turn our face away from sin and we turn to the Lord. So spirituality is the direction you face in the area that you're moving. That's why, listen, I, I, I believe in daily Bible reading. You guys know we're going to emphasize that coming up. Our, our regular Bible reading, um, not many of us read the Bible 365 days a year. If you do, you are awesome. I mean, way to go. But I, I will tell you this, you can miss three days of Bible reading and still be facing the same, the, the right direction, still applying the Bible, still being a person, a Jesus person. Or you can mark those checks of Bible reading off your list and still be full of hateful language, be full of prejudice, uh, be full of unforgiveness, and you're not facing the right direction. Do you see? I'm not belittling spiritual disciplines. I'm just saying there's a purpose behind the spiritual disciplines. And so I'm asking you, choose the tree of life. Not, not the forbidden tree, but choose life. And that happens through conversation and it, it happens through direction. It happens in many, many ways. Now, whenever you get a new car, or in my case, I've never owned a new car. <laughs> I, I've, I've got a car recently that was one year old, and that's the newest car I've ever had. And, and I'm not complaining because part of that is a financial decision, but you, 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 get, those, you get those cars and you're excited to get into a new car. Who among us has purchased a new car and said, I'm going to read the entire owner's manual before I drive? Yeah, no one does that. We test drive it, or if we are now the new owners, we drive it and we learn the feel of the car, and we learn the angles, and we learn you know, what angle we need to take to park and understand how sensitive the brakes are. And as we go... We learn. And we do go to the owner's manual when we have a problem. Or proactively, we go to the owner's manual if we can't figure out how to reset the clock. So it's not like the owner's manual isn't useful and it's there for us. But we don't stop. We don't, uh, we, we don't, it doesn't prevent us from using the car because we haven't read the whole owner's manual. And this is why... Um, this analogy of the tree of life is so important because saying the right thing, facing the right direction, acting the way God wants you to, you don't have to read the whole Bible to do that. It would help if you did. You know instinctively by your conscience and by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, what is the tree of life and what is the forbidden tree? And I say, keep choosing that tree of life. Because I have stuff come out of my mouth and I say, well, that doesn't feel like Jesus to me, right? I hear things among godly people uh, that doesn't sound like Jesus. I, I learn of practices uh, among faith communities that doesn't feel like Jesus. We know what is the tree of life and what isn't. I mean, God has given that to us instinctively. And then scripture, as we continue to meditate on scripture, gives even more illumination to that. So, this whole idea of the two trees, and, and I'm still a little bit in review here. Deuteronomy chapter 30 said this. See, I set before you life and prosperity, 
death and adversity. And going on to verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. So we know that this contrast has always been set before God's people. That that analogy in the Garden of Eden, now when the law was given in Deuteronomy, now let's look into our future and in Revelation, this is a review still, Revelation 2.7, it says, let anyone who who has ears to hear, listen to what the scripture says to the churches. So this is us. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So our future is the tree of life. It's that which sustains us. It's the fruit that's good for us. It's, the, it's that which God has set aside for us. And then in the culmination of history, Revelation 22, verse two and three, the culmination of, 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 of what we consider history Um, We are eternal beings. It says, down the middle of the city's main street, the tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of of the tree are for the healing the nations. And there will be no longer any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. Can I tell you, that's good stuff right there. When we keep choosing the tree of life, every time we choose the tree of life, When we choose generosity instead of stinginess, when we choose friendliness instead of self-interest, when we we choose sacrifice instead of self-serving, we are participating in the forces of heaven that are before us. And every act of kindness and every act of love is not just about us being good people. It's about the healing of the nations. It's about all people groups all people understanding who God is. Yes, your choices is a participation. It's a partnership with God in accomplishing that. That's why I want you to choose the good stuff. So here was last week when we had one contrast, and here was a contrast. The tree of life is the thing that God prepares, and the tree of knowledge, and, and we know knowledge is a good word by itself, but for the purposes of this sermon, we know that that's describing the forbidden tree is what God warns. And, and there's just some things God says, don't go there. There's some things that God says, that's not good. Here's what is interesting about both trees is they're both appealing, okay? The fruit's good on both trees. And so there are some things that God forbids that we wanna do. Like, can we just be honest with that? I mean, if we're honest about that, that's a, a much healthier place to be dependent upon God. If we're like lying, we're like, sin doesn't appeal to me. Then, then we don't really need the Holy Spirit, do we? I mean, I need the Holy Spirit because there's things that God says don't do. And the life and the power of God within me helps me say no to, to those things. Here's this, the rest of you, you just saved you a bunch of time by not coming last week and just getting last week's sermon. So the contrast is this, is that a tree of life creates dependence on God while the tree of knowledge creates distance from God. And this is helpful because the word dependence we have falsely believed is a negative word because independence is so important. I mean, it's part of, our, of who we are as Americans. We're independent. Both words have power for the positive and both words have power for the negative. So you can't say one is good and one is bad. In this case, that's why dependence upon God is so important. Dependence upon God is, is a good thing for us. It's a, 
It's something we aspire towards, where we're completely dependent upon the Lord. It's a healthy dependence. So I have healthy dependence. I'm dependent on some people in my life. I'm dependent upon my family. I'm dependent upon my wife. I'm dependent, I've been dependent upon my mom and my mother-in-law. I mean, they have helped us raise our kids. They've helped us directly through childcare. They've helped us financially when we couldn't get through certain phases. So that's a healthy dependence because they have joy in that and we have taken their help and now we're able to help others. Um, and, and it certainly applied to our fathers too who are both deceased. This is, this is a healthy dependence. I, I am dependent on CIL, okay? So on rare occasions, I go minister other places. I, I go a few times a year, I'll go minister in another context. I don't go in, by myself. I go under the authority of this church because I'm dependent upon this church. I'm under, I'm under the authority of the, of the elders of this church and, and really under your authority too as we mutually submit to one another. And so that's a good thing. Like, to be dependent upon this church body, that, that, that's a good thing. It's like a healthy dependence, a healthy interconnection. Um, if you live in an apartment, you, you have a healthy dependence upon the rules of the apartment. If you live at a, in a neighborhood with a homeowner's association, there's a healthy dependence upon the, the shared decisions there. And so this dependence upon God is good. And I, I want you just to imagine this as like, God has prepared this garden for you. It's not this place that is appealing and that is good. And you can, just, you can just trust, like, God, what you have for me is good for me. This is, this is like, the essence of contentment. This is the essence of, of happiness. Like, God, what you have prepared for me is good for me. Comparison steals that. Comparison steals that when we're always comparing ourselves to someone else and not using it as inspiration, but we're using it to demean ourselves. But can you say, God, I'm in your garden. I'm eating the fruit you've planted for me. I can relax. Think about that. I can relax in God's will because God has prepared me for good works. I can let go of the anxiety of missing out. How many know that the word relax doesn't feel like a spiritual word to us, but it is because it, it's talking about that, that sense of trust, that sense of peace, that sense of dependence. Like, God, ha God has me. God has me. He has me through this tough situation. God has me through this difficult season. God has me in this time of blessing. God is sustaining me. God is protecting me. It's the shalom of God. The shalom of God, that's an important word. It's that whole peace of God. And I speak shalom over you. I speak the peace of God over you. Guys, this is, this is where the Lord wants us to be spiritually, where there's a wholeness in you. And can I just tell you that that is for you in this life. That is for you in this life. Like there is a shalom in your spirit that says, I am good with God and I am good with the people I love and I am good at where I am at life and I am content in the Lord. This is the place that God wants us to be. This is, this is the goal of our faith. And so our satisfaction is in Jesus. It's not with all of the other motivators that keep us thirsty. There's a sense that that thirst is quenched completely in Jesus. It's the Sabbath of God, being able to rest in him. 
That is dependency. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil creates distance from the Lord. It, it creates separation from the Lord. And so I, I challenge you, and I guess I just encourage you. I just say, come on up. Come on up to the mountain of the Lord where we're totally dependent upon him. It's okay to be dependent on God. It's okay, it's okay to know that if I don't have God helping me in this business, it's not going to survive. That's a good place to be. Not, not from a lack of wisdom and, and just like asking God to bail you out perpetually, but out of sense of dependency. It's okay to know that like you have maybe a, a child that's just difficult to raise and the Lord is with you. I shouldn't have said that on Family Sunday, but maybe some kid needs to hear that, okay? Um, and and they're, they're tough to raise and you're like, I've gotta have you, Lord. I, I need you, God, to have that conversation one more time. I need you, God, to keep enforcing that rule. That dependency upon God is a good thing. Why do we run from him? Why, why do we create the distance from him and, and worship and what we do and why we gather today is so we can keep turning our hearts to God. Here's contrast three. The tree of life appeals to your friendship with God. And the tree of knowledge appeals to your curiosity of the unknown. We'll talk about both of those. Genesis 3, 8 through 9, going back to the scripture that, uh, the story that we started with. It says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And so the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? It's one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. Um, because you hear the friendship of God saying, where are you? And, and I, do you hear that question today? It's a question of love. It's not a question of accusation. Like, where are you? I want to walk with you. This is the Lord's heart. I, I want to be involved in every part of your life. I, I want to be involved with you. I, I want to have friendship with you. I want to have companionship with you. Where are you? This is the friendship of God. And, you know, friendship is based on trust. Trust is a huge part of it. Um, I have a lot of friends in this church. I mean, it's just really cool. I, that's one of the things I'm so thankful for. A lot of, a lot of friends with whom I work with here. So I'll, I'll talk about one of them. Uh, Aubrey, who led worship today. I mean, I've known that guy since 1995. He actually has always had a great spirit and, and was a great leader in the youth group that I was part of. And um, Aubrey... Um, decorated all of this set for you guys um, to, you know, to help us change the season, to help us say, hey, something's different this week, and, and, and we appreciate that so much. When I left town Tuesday afternoon, none of this was up here at all. And, you know, I didn't give it another thought until I walked in here this morning, or, or, or I got a text last night, actually, to be more accurate. Um, I didn't think through Thanksgiving, is Aubrey going to get this done? I mean, he just had a, he and Jen just had a fifth kid. So it would have been fine if he would have waited a couple more weeks, right? Uh, I mean, worship would have gone on. But this morning he said, hey, Aaron, I'm, I'm sorry that I did this the day before. And I go, I wasn't even worried about it. Because I knew that you'd get it done. And if you didn't get it done, I knew there would be a good reason for that. 
So there, there was a trust there. There's a trust because he's proven himself to me before. Now, that, that's something to do with, you know, kind of, kind of our professional environment here. And that's something tangible that you can see behind me physically. But, but this applies to the deeper things of life with him and with many people here. Many, many people. In fact, I just, just, just scanning this crowd, I just have so many great friends here. Some people I've known for years. Some people who are, I've only known, you know, months. And, and I have that bond of friendship with. And, and here's, here's the truth about that is, is that that trust creates friendship. Like, I can trust that my friends are going to be there for me. I, I can trust they're going to communicate with me. I can trust that they're not going to talk destructively about me in a way that demeans me. There's trust there. So let's talk about our friendship with God. Because some of us, we, we haven't developed that friendship with God or we haven't allowed God to become our friend because we don't really trust him. We're really suspicious about God. Like, is God really gonna come through? Or does God really have my best interest in mind? Or, or does God, is God really dependable? I mean, I know saying that out loud would feel unreligious, but we function in such a way. And this is one of the strategies of the enemy. Look at verse six of Genesis chapter three. It says, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. Like she, she, it was appealing. Humanity, the things that God forbids, appeals to us. It was desirable for attaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate of it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. This idea of this curiosity of the unknown. Now, curiosity is a gift from God. But, but curiosity needs to be sanctified. And, and I, I want you to know this is that when you're curious about things and that these things that make you curious, which is a gift from God, which you have to eliminate God to satisfy that curiosity. It puts you at a really dangerous place. God, through his friendship, says, I want you to explore the world. I want you to live fully. I want you to love deeply. I want you to laugh heartily. I want you to eat huge meals at Thanksgiving. I want you to travel. I mean, this is, this is the Lord's. I want you to enjoy the gifts of the arts and athletics and games. The Lord is not trying to keep you away from all the things he created. He's saying those things that pique your curiosity and those places you want to explore, let me go with you there. Stay dependent upon me. When we have to cut off God, and we say we have to cut off scripture, we have to cut off the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and we have to cut off the, the church community because, because we're curious about other things, that puts us at a vulnerable place. So I just say that tree, that tree of life, that tree of life that God has for you, he is not intimidated by your curiosity. But when your curiosity is not sanctified and it's not redeemed and it's not attached to friendship with God, it can lead you down a path 
of distance from God. So what does that mean to you? The Holy Spirit in Scripture will make it known to you. See, this is not about me creating a list for you to follow. It's saying there is two paths. There is a choice, light or darkness, good or evil, the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know which one to choose. The tree of life, here's the last contrast we have here, perpetuates life. There's more life while the tree of the knowledge of good and evil introduces death. So let's go to the Proverbs because as we move into a new season, we wind down 2019 and we move into 2020, not just a new year, but a new decade. So excited about the 20s. Get used to it because we're only a few weeks away. Decades mark our life. It gives us a way to organize time. As we move into the 20s, I pray for you and me that we are wise people. That we just make good choices under the leadership and the direction of Scripture and of the Holy Spirit and of our friendship with God. Proverbs 3, verse 13 through 18 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths peaceful. Now here is back to our analogy. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, to those who hold on to her are happy. See this contrast here, the tree of life, as it shows up again in this wisdom literature, it's a, it, it, there's, so much, there's so much that God's saying through that scripture, it would do us well to think about it some more on our own time. But this wisdom is better than riches. Wisdom is better than earthly power. Like, that should be our desire. God, make me wise. Help me to make good decisions. And then, oh, yeah, as you make wise decisions, there's honor and riches down the road. See, if you want honors and rich, honor and riches, you usually don't get it because you take shortcuts and you do damaging things that perpetuate injustice and the ways of the world. But when you say, God, just make me wise. Make me wise. Help me to make good decisions. Happiness is before you. Life is before you. And I just want you to see that is Christianity is more about what's before us, not about what we have left behind. Yes, there are things we have left behind, but we, they are replaced with opportunities we cannot conceive. There's a yes within us. There's an opportunity before us, but the tree of knowledge introduces death. Back to our narrative, verse 17 through 19. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will, it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. 
And death has been introduced to our world, and we feel it all the time. We feel it all the time, but the Lord says, more of heaven to earth, more of the tree of life, more of choosing what I have for you. Remember this, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which introduces death, still appeals to us. Darkness appeals to us. Um, independence appeal, de, appeals to us. Distance from God makes us feel powerful. It makes us feel like we're in control of our destiny, but it's a deception. The tree of life, the tree of life that dependence upon God, that friendship with God, that trust with God, that partnership with God. There is life for us, not just in eternity. Yes, yes, and yes, but right now too. So as we prepare ourselves for this new decade and we're in this new church year, I just say more the life of God, more the choices that really matter. This is the hope we have. We are hopeful people because our hope is in Christ and our hope is in choosing Christ. And because Christ chose us, we keep choosing Christ over and over and over again. I want you, if you have your Bibles, because this won't be on your screen, Isaiah chapter two, this is just a scripture that uh, was in the lectionary today. I didn't preach from the lectionary, but this was uh, one of our Old Testament readings from there. And, and when I read it today and this morning, I just was reminded how much this scripture means to me. Isaiah chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Those who have their Bibles can turn there. The rest of you can listen. Because I want you to hear, because of Jesus, because Jesus came. He came and through the incarnation, through Bethlehem. And because Jesus promised he will come again, this is the future before us. And I want you to feel these words. This is the vision. This is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. The vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And available for you on the screen. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains the most important place on earth. It will be, I'll, I'll just read from the screen. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. And people from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of Yeshua, the mountain of Yahweh is what that word Lord is saying right there as it's capitalized, to the house of Jacob's God. There he, Jesus, will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This, this prophecy is telling us there's going to be a time when everyone on this earth is going to look to Yahweh. They're going to look to Jesus. And Jesus, he is going to be on a higher mountain. He's going to be higher than any other philosophy, any other religion, any other kind of persuasion of thought. And it's going to be such an influential time that the way things have been in the past will no longer be. 
Instead of nations trying to figure out ways to conquer each other through weapons, they're going to take technology and they're going to take that technology and they're going to actually make the world a better place. Instead of disputes, there's going to be peace because people will look to Jesus, our hope, as the source. They'll look to the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that, that helps us discern these, these, uh, what, what is evil and, and, and causes us to be attracted to those things, but the tree of life which brings healing to the nations. This is our future. This is our story. And it's not a story only about the future. It's a story about right now. So I say God's shalom, God's peace to your home. God's shalom, God's peace to your relationships. God's peace to the place that you work, to the school that you attend, to the hobbies you participate in. God's rule and God's reign is coming. Advent's not about a story in the past. It's about a story that is unfolding now. We know because Jesus came once before, he He's going to come again. And that is the hope that we have today. And we're going to keep choosing the good things he has for us. More of the tree of life. Not that which is forbidden. Not which is that which is off limits. But that which God has prepared for us. And he says, I have everything you need is in me. Everything that you need to satisfy yourself is found through me. I want you to stand with me. Father, we thank you. Oh, Jesus that the world longed for for hundreds and thousands of years, for centuries and millennia. The world longed for this Jesus, but we are now Jesus people. We don't live in mystery. We live in revelation. We know who he is, the revealed son of God. We thank we thank him because um, he has revealed himself to us. And we know that Jesus is not a fairy tale. Jesus is not a myth. Jesus is not a distant story. Jesus is a reality that is among us right now. Jesus is a reality that has come and set up his incarnation with us. He is God with us. And this is the hope we have. Father, we come against hopelessness. I pray against those who are hopeless here. Some of you, um, you have just felt this cloud of hopelessness on you. And the Lord has begun to say to you that this day there is a tree of life he set before you. And that you do not have to live with this expectation that things will never improve. You don't have to live in this expectation that you're walking into a cloud of darkness. Because of Jesus, Jesus says hope is here. Hope has arrived. Hope is at resident right now. Hope is here right now because of Jesus. We can look to the future and we can look with anticipation that better days are ahead for us. Better days are ahead for those that we love. Better days are ahead for humanity. We don't wallow in hopelessness. We look to the one. Do we look to the one who lifts our spirit? So, Father, we look to you right now. We look to you and we look to your presence. We look to your presence. Lord, we thank you for the stirring of your spirit. I feel like the, the Holy Spirit is just kind of stirring some of us up right now. There's a, a stirring of the Lord within us. And what he's doing is he's stirring up uh, that spirit man within you, that part of you that relates to God, that part of you that connects with spiritual things. It's so easy for that to get repressed. It's for, so easy for that to become distant from God. It's so easy for that to kind of be excluded and marginalized in our life. But the Lord says, this is not just a part of you. This is the essence of who you are. It's the center of who you are. You're not just someone who, who checks in with God. Uh, occasionally, the center, the essence of who you are, you're a son, you're a daughter, uh, you're a friend of God. 
God. Uh, there, there is that innermost being inside of you. That's who you really are. That other person is an imposter. That other person is a deceiver. The person that you are is a person who knows the Lord. And you were created to know the Lord. You were created to connect to the Lord. And so I just speak that over you. I speak the life of God over you and let you know that who you are is a person who loves the Lord. That's who he's made you. And you're able to love him because he loved you first. And so, Father, we receive that hope today. We just receive the hope of the Lord. You are the hope, Jesus. You are the hope today. We love you. We thank you. I know that we have our kids here today. And I just pray that as we move into a time of communion, children, if you could just, uh, you know, check in with your guardian, uh, whoever brought you today, to make sure you take communion. And, and if they, they give you a blessing to take communion or uh, they tell you how they want that to occur, uh, this may be a good time for those who are here with friends or family members to take communion together, or you may want to do that individually. Or it's true that often Christians have good reasons not to take communion, and you're free not to do that. But as Pastor Aubrey leads us in some worship today, the table of the Lord is open. Uh, Pastor Deborah's here at the front if you want to take communion by intention, which is taking the bread and dipping it into the cup. That's one way you can take communion today, but also to your left, to your right, and in the back, uh, the elements have been prepared for you, and you can take the bread and drink the cup when you're ready on this particular Sunday. I won't give further instructions after I pray this prayer and invite you. Uh, you can take communion on your own, but I'll come back and I'll give a benediction for today. And so um, if you're able to stay, let's just enjoy the presence of the Lord. Let's pray with one another. Let's reflect individually. And just in a few minutes, uh, I'll come and give our benediction on this day. Father, we dedicate these elements to you, believing in this symbolic act. The presence of the Lord is with us. Thank you, Jesus, for this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The table of the Lord is open to you.